Hi there and thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. More awards for Kinsale Gin, the theatre director turning his attention to advertising and a free course to help women working in the home explore new opportunities. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. One of the things that we've gotten really good at in the last while in this country is producing gin. Um, and there's a lot of gin out there. Um, and, and some of it is good and some of it is distinctly average. But the good news is that our gin and the good ones are being recognised, none more so than Kinsale Gin, which has scooped not one, not two, but three awards in the United States. Ernest Cancel uh, of Kinsale Gin. You, you still must be counting up all the awards that this has won. Uh, which, considering you started it almost as a hobby, it's doing okay. Yeah, we've been on a good run, thank God. Uh, these ones are particularly timely, timely and they're nice, uh, prestigious ones. So yeah, it's a great buzz, to be honest. It's a great one. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about the history of this. When did you start Kinsale Gin and Kinsale Spirit so, Company, which is the, the parent of it all? So the man who owns the Raven, Tom Reardon, actually, it's his, it's his baby. And it originally started, his idea was to make whiskey. Um, and so, and it's funny enough, the whiskey has only just matured, so we released whiskey a couple of months ago, and, and thankfully it's gone gangbusters. But we gin really was just an infill while we're waiting for the four years for the whiskey to age. Um, so, so we started the ball and rolling on the whiskey project, and then with the gin, um, Tom has lived in Kinsale for a long time, and himself and his sister, um, they got like it's a wash with good, by coincidence, maybe good natural ingredients and botanicals. Um, I suppose it's famous for food and drink anyway, all the great restaurants and stuff down there. So um, they went, like, I'm going to try to, it's not that scientific a process. They they got um, a five-litre still, and they gathered all the natural botanicals that came down there, gathered in a few things, foreign exotic things like vanilla from Madagascar and and juniper berries, and um, uh, worked with all the different combinations. And... um, they made over a hundred different batches, and um, Tom was bringing them into their, his customers, the Raven, and saying, "You know, the same taste this, and they, I like this, I don't like that." And I think here's the batch notes. It was number on the back of a copybook was number right. sixty-five was the most popular one, and it was. It's funny. It it's a distinctive taste, which makes it a bit marmitey, which is okay. It's just there's a million gins out there, and there's no point tasting like all the rest of them. So we took a punt and just went a bit different. It's quite citrusy. Um, and, and it mightn't be for everyone, but thankfully most people seem to like it. Yeah, no, but, and, and again, you mentioned it, it doing very, very well. Uh, it, it established itself quite quickly in Cork. Were you surprised at how people took to it? Because, I mean, you and I growing up, Ernest, we're around the same vintage. There used only ever be one type of gin. Uh, it did have Cork on the name, but nobody else drank it. Like Cork people, in further afield, Kinsale has a great name. And everyone has positive memories of it. You associate, you know, with sunny weekends you know, and the Dock Beach and the Bullman and Actons and all these good things. So so we were off to winner with the name, I guess, out of the tracks. We went for a very distinctive bottle. It's a black bottle with a shark fin in the logo, so that kind of caught people's attention. And I said the taste was a bit different. And, and look, it was also at a time when people were just getting into gin. You know, they were moving across. Wine drinkers were going into gin and tonics. So we just kind of caught the crest of a wave. Mm. And then... Um, and instead of cut people's imagination. And Absolutely. We, we, about, and again, I suppose, as you mentioned, the focus was on the whiskey, which has now matured as well. It's Red Earl whiskey. I'm presuming the Red yes. Earl is Kinsale related as well, is he? Yeah. So, so it, we, we're bringing out a um, series of three whiskeys, and it's called the Battle of Kinsale series. So the Red Earl is based on Reggie O'Donnell. 
And um, again, look, just we've been lucky with timing. So just um, we're, we were due to release it in Rhode Island uh, um, in April and lockdown happened in March. And obviously, look, unfortunately, things aren't going great in the States. And the reason we were releasing Rhode Island is that Kinsale and Newport in Rhode Island are twinned and they're very actively twinned. And there's a restaurant exchange and all sorts of things happen every year. So we're going to hold off releasing it. And then um, we said, look, this lockdown thing could go on indefinitely. Let's let's just release it, you know. And um, um, But literally that week, um, UCC have an excavation team out in Spain where he's buried or thought to be buried. Oh, they were and looking for your man. Was that the fellow they were looking for? That's you, yeah, Radio O'Donnell. So... Um, and, and it's a very interesting story. So, so they they didn't find him, and the reason they they know they didn't is that um, he was a prisoner at Dublin Castle, and he escaped uh, twice actually. But he one of the times he got frostbite, and he lost both his big toes. So they they're looking for a body with no big toes. It's a, like it's bizarre, and that story just kind of. It like it caught global media. Yeah, attention. yeah, no, I, I remember reading about it. And I, did, I mean, he'd be, he'd be very proud to think that there's a whiskey named after him, toes or no toes. And um, who are the other two whiskeys going to be named after in the series? So there was. So his father-in-law was the other Irish general, um, and he was Hugh O'Neill. The two, the two U's. So, so that whiskey would be called the Great Earl because he, he was the father-in-law and he was kind of a, a bigger chieftain. Um, and then the third one will be. We're still working on the name. But the, the Spanish played a big part in that battle, the Spanish allies. So the, the Spanish general was guy Don de la Gila, Don the, or John the Eagle is what it translates as. And he um, has a, a patched record. He was a very um, successful Spanish general, but he made advances on the wrong royal Spanish lady and was banished to, um, to do the Battle of Conceal. Ernest, Ernest who, ha- who hasn't that happened to over the years? I mean, it, we don't all get a whiskey named after us, you know. But, but he's famous actually for um, having gone on the piss in North Main Street up around that neighbourhood uh, just prior to the battle and um, and abandoning his troops. But but Tom, my sidekick, whose baby started, has the raven on North Main Street. So there's just all these small little quirky nuances to the story. And um, we went, again, we had good traction with having a different looking bottle for the the gin, and we we're trying to figure out the whiskey. We said, okay, how is this? Because look, there's, there's lots of Irish whiskeys out there, and you're up against people like Jemison, who are the, like the best in the world. So, um, so you know, just being from Kinsale or being Irish wasn't going to be enough. So my, um, I was trying to figure it out, we're all trying to figure it out, and my sister um, uh, sent me, she was in a shop and she saw a bottle of olive oil. It was like a wine bottle, and there was a big face on the bottle. She said, she's just really stood out. And I went looking, and there was, whiskey labels are really traditional, so when you look at them, they're all green bottles and they're all kind of gold labels. Why don't we just be different? So we got um, an artist um, in Dublin to do a picture of this um, a picture. So the, so the series of three is going to have a painting of the three generals on each one. Um, and uh, it just seems to have caught people's attention. If you put it in a, a supermarket shelf or behind a bar, it stands out. And that's, you know... You just need that. If you're in there with 100 other Irish whiskies, you need something to yeah. set you up. Well, look, I mean, it, it is there and it'll stand out. I look forward to seeing that coming in over the next while. Ernest, it's been a difficult time for the other side of your business in the pub trade. Uh, how have the pubs been going? I mean, the, the, since they've reopened, uh, people have been going out and about, albeit a little carefully uh, and, and sticking to the guidelines. Um, has it, It's been a difficult few months trading, but uh, have things improved in the last little while and hopefully they'll stay that way? It's funny, we, we, we didn't open for the first two weeks just to see what other people were doing. And, I, and, and when we saw the world didn't end, we you know, were more confident to open and our staff were more comfortable coming back. But everybody's played ball. You know, like um, uh, people are... And as the guidelines change, people are adapting to them very quickly because I think everybody wants it to work. 
the lockdown was no fun. People in Dublin don't look like we have a lot of fun at the moment. So I think people just think if we behave, um, and, and look, from what I can see, people don't probably leaving after the time is up. They're wearing the masks on the way to the toilet. Staff have bought into all the cleaning. Um, it was stressful for a week or two, and then you just get used to it. I'm, I'm not going to use you know this new norm rubbish, but you just get into the routine. And um, uh, look, it's nowhere near as busy as it was, and I think that's going to be the way for a while. But it's sustainable. Banks and wage subsidies and all that are helping. And um, it's look, I, it's all I know. I'm doing it for 15 years, so I do enjoy it, uh, and I still enjoy it. It's a bit strange, you know. I spend my life going over to the tables in the restaurant and talking to the people at the bar, and now you're kind of really just saluting them from a distance and it's a bit my role has changed in that way um and uh, but it just you just adopted and look we, we were open last night and it was the first night that the wet pubs you know that we've been open that the wet pubs are open they open on monday so i thought we might be a bit quieter because there's way more pubs open and we weren't it was a fine night lots of people in the restaurant so um look long may it last Okay. Well, we wish you and all your staff the best of luck. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for the whiskies uh, as they roll Ooh. out. And congratulations on Kinsale Gin on winning all those awards. Ernest Cantlin, always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for joining Thank us you. on Red Business. Thanks a lot. Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast. We've talked a lot about how businesses have been significantly impacted by COVID-19 on the podcast. My next guest is someone who very much falls into that category. The company was poster displays after March. Not many people wanted to pay to put up a poster for fairly obvious reasons, but that did not deter Al Dalton of Poster Displays. He's on the line now. Al, how are you? I'm very good, sir. I'm busy, but I'm good. Well, that's a good complaint to be busy. I mean, you really hit a bit of a wall back in March, didn't you? Because that, that advertising market, the idea of people putting glossy posters or, or trying to appeal to us from the side of the road, it all dried up pretty quickly, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think, like, you know, straight away it dried up. And once lockdown came into place, there was no point to have posters out on streets when no one was even around to, to even see them, you know? And you're the third generation in this business. So your grandfather set it up. I think your your late Aunt Brida uh, was also involved in the business before you took over. So, I mean, the bread and butter was always posters. Um, but if posters weren't there, you were going to have to do something different. W- when did you have that realisation? Um, I think I realised it immediately in March that what was happening before wasn't going to be able to continue forward, especially in, in, in the environment that we find ourselves in now and the landscape that we find ourselves in now. Um, I suppose the kind of kernels of ideas for change for me started in February when I walked into the local enterprise office uh, and availed of one of their free advice clinics. And there I met a a fantastic woman called Jackie Garwin and who was the mentor um, on that day. And I suppose I I began kind of putting ideas for a bit of change. And one of my very early ideas was to utilize my billboard space to put out um, posters of positivity around Cork. Um, I'm a firm believer of kind of what you put out, you get back. And I was also very inspired by an artist over in the UK called Andy Leek, who started a thing called Notes to Strangers, where he left kind of small post-it size kind of um, posters around London with kind of uh, messages of positivity and just had a hashtag Notes to Strangers on it, where people would, you know, find them, take a photograph uh, and post photos of them. So... In that initial meeting, I suppose Notes to Cork was born. And one of the first things I did with the billboard space, when I, I suppose when I got my head in the business, was uh, putting out these uh, messages of positivity with the guise of Notes to Cork on it. 
So people would have seen these around. So that that was you, first of all. And and the idea was to use the space as opposed to leaving it void or leaving up old messages that were no longer relevant. You were trying to lift the mood and you were trying to support other creatives as well who would have been going through a difficult time. So it, it, it the genesis of this was a very good place, wasn't it? Exactly. And... It was amazing. And I suppose as well, I was testing to see what viewership the billboards had in Cork City. And I suppose trying to bring a, maybe a kind of more what would be deemed kind of traditional method of advertising back into the mainstream. And one of the first campaigns I did as hashtag notes to Cork was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, was um, a slogan called Don't Be a Langer, Be Kind, which would tie in with the social media move, the Be Kind movement that was happening online after um, Caroline Flack's untimely passing. And I swear they were up about a day and then I was contacted by um, Dara at Harry Baby T-shirt company who had seen the slogan and wanted to put it onto one of his T-shirts. And within a week, we had um, a national charity T-shirt campaign going. Now, unfortunately, it was curtailed by the start of COVID and because this all happened maybe about two weeks just before lockdown. But um, and we, we were just literally coming, coming together to create a national charity campaign. And that came from just putting a, a positive yeah. message out onto the streets. At, at what point then did you realise, well, look, we, we have an opportunity here in this crisis that we can change our agency, use a little bit of your creative background and, and move it on? Because the idea of just keeping it to posters probably wouldn't be as viable as it would have been when your granddad started the business. You needed to do something different. Exactly. Um, for me, it really was when the pause came in lockdown. I think that that certainly gave me a moment to catch up with myself. And I suppose the, the position I now found myself in, the fact that I had already drawn a bit more attention to the business by putting out these messages of positivity and some of the collaborations that were coming through. So I used lockdown to reach back out to Jackie, to her own business, business weaving, which is business coaching, and began chatting very loosely with her first about the kind of concept of notes to cork. And I suppose as well, like, you know, analyzing the business, like any advertising that went out on our posters was essentially a note to Cork or a message to the people of Cork. And that's something that I began to kind of, I suppose, unravel and begin to build back up. And as you said, to bring in some of my own creative flair uh, and some of my own creative contacts that I've built up over the last couple of years. So what is the future of advertising then? Uh, If it's not all one or the other, it's not going to be all digital or all posters. It's presumably going to be a blend of the two. And and why do you think you're well positioned for when the market does recover? I, I think blend is right. You know, like we hear this word blend quite a lot, even at the moment in university settings, you know, blended learning. I think nowadays people want a bit of everything and I think it has to be a bit of everything. Um, for me, anyway, my take on the billboards, let's say, is that once there's people out in the streets, the billboards have a place because there's people to see them and, and, and engage with them. But I suppose you don't always want the same thing out there and to vary it and to bring, I suppose, a more varied approach to how a campaign can be built from the ground up. And I suppose to create more meaningful communication that might then create communities and even, you know, from my take on this was what I want to bring to the business, even to create some cultural moments out on the streets that also can then be brought online mm. as well. Well, they're important, though, because that's what connects with the audience. I mean, that was the purpose of, of billboard advertising when it started out. If we were to go back to the Mad Men day, it was yeah. about seeing yourself and seeing something creative 
in the advertising. Uh, you know, I, I'd imagine complacency always kind of creeps in to every business. I'm not saying yours, but the entire advertising sector, you know, you have to think of when was the last time I, I noticed one of those. There is an opportunity now to connect up what you see on your smartphone with what you see on the poster with what you see as trying to drive a business forward. So the timing probably is quite good for this reinvention. I hope so. I, I, I think so rather than I hope so. And I'm a firm believer as well in creating moments for people like, you know, a lot of my background in the arts was directing and, you know, I would analyze scripts, look at the moments within the scripts, look at the moments between characters. And I suppose that's what I'm bringing forward now to the clients that I work with, helping their brand or their product create a moment with their audience. And I suppose keeping their business um, as part of the conversation like as you said like the billboard size that we run like back in the day in you know in the traditional business would have been known as public information panels and as we know like cork is all word of mouth word of mouth is king in cork and when people see something on the street they begin to talk about it most plays don't sell out after to an audience the first audience sees it and then goes back out and tells people about it and i suppose that's really what i want to bring is to create talking points for businesses or brands that can, that can be long lasting and really can connect with their audience or their customer. Okay, Al, well, we wish you the best of luck with it. How can people get in contact with you if they're looking to jazz up their advertising campaigns? Uh, so we're across all social media as notes to Cork. So that's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're developing our new website at the moment. So hopefully in two weeks, we'll have our notes to Cork website. But we've also just launched a studio space on Douglas Street. So people can literally call into me on Douglas Street and I'm opposite Fionbarra's pub. Uh, and I'm pretty much there nine to five every day. <laughs> okay. Well, that's like, they can track you down easy enough. Al Dalton of Notes to Cork and Poster Displays. Thank you so much for joining us and the best of luck. Thank you so much. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Cork City Partnership is inviting women to take part in free online courses to help them access future paid employment or to further their education. The whole programme has had to change ever so slightly because of COVID-19, but to talk me through it all, I'm joined by Siobhan O'Neill of Cork City Partnership now. Siobhan, how are you? I'm very well, Jonathan, and thanks so much for having me on your programme. It's lovely to talk to you. Let's talk about what this programme actually does. Who are you looking for to sign up, first of all? Okay, maybe I'll just say a word or two about Cork City Partnership for people who don't know anything about it. Just to say that it's a not-for-profit organisation and we've been in existence for over 25 years and we uh, aim to tackle social, social disadvantage through education, employment and empowerment and all of our funding programmes address elements of so- social disadvantage. And I suppose uh, this programme, uh, which is uh, PEL, Growing Your growing your Potential, is very lucky in the sense that it fits quite uh, you know, seamlessly into this structure. And I suppose just to explain what PEL is, this project is funded by the Department of Justice and Equality and the European Social Fund under the Programme for Employability, Inclusion and Learning. And now... That's that out of the way. Yeah, but okay, so now let's get to the meat of it. Who are you looking for? Well, I suppose we're looking for women really who are, you know, who are working in the home and who want to get back into uh, working outside the home. And these would be women who are not on job seeker payment. And this, this would be Cork City and its environs. And um, I suppose the Growing Your Potential course, it's, um, I suppose we can say it's drawing on the experience that the women have from working in the home and putting it to new use. 
and it's a free 10-week course and um, it's I suppose it's an opportunity for women to take time out me time and it's building on their life experience it gives them an an opportunity to develop new friendships learn new work skills and I suppose suppose really explore the work the, the world of work that's what it's about really. There are a lot of the women who would fall into this category. There's about 7,000, I think, who currently identify as working in the home. Is it every age group you're looking for? Is there a specific group that you're trying to appeal to? No, it's all age groups, really. You know, um, uh, anyone who fits into that criteria and who's interested in going back to work. And, um, you know, uh, so, yes, it's it's very, very broad, really. You know, it's not one specific um, age group at all. You know, mm. you've had a lot of success in the past, Siobhan, with helping people who've taken part in this. So what what have the previous participants ended up doing? Well, I suppose it's a broad range of uh, areas that participants got the work in. And I suppose it's fair to say that over 50 percent of the women who came through the programme got got employment, which is really good. And it's a wide range. It could be administration. Um, it could be um, it could be. Uh, cafe work, hospitality, um, it could be a whole range of skills, you know, depending very much on what the skills of those women are. Some women who maybe were nurses and came to do the course, you know, they've gone and gone back into to nursing. Um, so it's, it's, or people who had been working maybe on the academic side of things, they got back into that area of work. But also people maybe who you know, who've left uh, school early as well, and they're very interested in maybe trying Mm. something different. Um, There was one woman who was on the course and she had been doing, uh, you know, working in cleaning and and cooking and wanted to try something new. And uh, she got into the whole area of being an assistant with children with special needs. So it's it's very broad, you know, very broad. It really yeah. does sound very broad. You, you used a very interesting phrase that I'd like you to expand upon, me time. I think after the last couple of months, we all need a little me time, don't we? How, how does that this course provide that? Well, I suppose you know what it is. It's time out for women who are, you know, uh, who really, as you say, over the last six months have been in the home all the time. And it's time for them for maybe two hours, maybe a couple of mornings a week. We try to do it from 10 until 12 to facilitate women whose children are in school. And it's time for them and all, you know, the feedback we've got from women who've done the course, they very much acknowledge the fact that, you know, it was time for them not having to be, you know, the the mother, the partner, you know, the wife, the granny, uh, very much about them. And you know, having an opportunity, I suppose, to meet other women, you know, as well, which is a big part of this course. It's very much a, an opportunity for women to meet other women. And what we found over the, the time with the programme, uh, they've, you know, women have kind of started their own kind of friendships from this and also supporting each other in in afterwards with work maybe mm-hmm. a few of them have set up whatsapp groups and so on and uh, that's really good but i might come in there now at that point just to say after the program we offer ongoing mentoring and support and if women get into work you know i keep in contact with them for about four weeks afterwards and maybe more if necessary so that makes this course a bit different in that way but uh, but definitely women have found it great. And it's like I think a lot of women were feeling isolated in the home during COVID. And this has been just a, a good chance to you know, meet other women and connect. It's been it's been very yeah. good in that way. Yeah. 
Okay, and obviously COVID has proven to be a little bit of a challenge. You're, you're yes. looking at bringing this course in a kind of a blended way. So some will be online, but other parts, hopefully, uh, if circumstances allow, will be in person. Yeah, that's what we're, we're aiming for. I mean, before this summer, we <coughs> had done a course that was completely online, which went very well. Um, but this time out, we're hoping to do a bit of both, depending how things go, of course, in the next couple of weeks. And the course will start in the middle of October, um, you know. And But we're, as I said, we're hoping to offer uh, a bit of both. So, and, and you know, okay. and this will be through Zoom, but women shouldn't feel daunted by it. I mean, we can help them if they need help, you know, on the... the and yeah, I know. Do not, yeah. Te- Technology is not as hard as some people think it is. No. And Zoom is really, really easy as well. Yeah. I have to say. CorkCityPartnership.ie, if people are looking for more information on that, all the details, it's Growing Your Potential is yes. the name of this particular programme. And uh, it sounds really, really great uh, for people who are looking for a change, for a little bit of me time and a little bit of growth in their lives. Now is probably the best opportunity uh, to engage in that type of thing. Siobhan O'Neill of Cork City Partnership, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. And I thank you too, Jonathan. Thank you. That's great. My thanks as always to all of my guests. Don't forget every episode is available on redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.